Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Shifting Our Shit SOS. As always, I'm Rob, and as always, joined by Megan. Megan, how are you this morning? I'm great. I just want to um, say that I have two snoring dogs here in the room with me. So if they wake up and start, you know, wrestling or something, that's what's happening in this room. <laughs> I, I, just, I just had a very kind of adorable moment kind of before logging on here. Uh, my wife, we just had a baby. We talked a little bit about that last episode, but we have these shifts of when we feed it. And my wife does the kind of mid to late night. <clears throat> and I do very early to early morning. And, and so I just handed um, the baby to her kind of, and she was kind of slowly waking up in bed. And then the dog kind of jumped on, not aggressive, but just kind of laid his head on the baby's lap and just looking at him. And it was like the whole Aww. family was, was was in bed and it was such a nice moment. Aww. But it feels, it feels kind of like a, a dog nap kind of day. It's cloudy outside. It's a little foggy and a little cool, kind of has a little maybe hint of fall in the air. I know we might kind of talk a little bit about that. And well, I just want to yes. check, how has it been a full week now since your kid's been back at school? Yes, it has been a full week, a week and some change, and uh, it's interesting. You know, there's uh, both each kid is kind of taken to it a little bit differently. Um, so, but I think we're on a good trend. I think they're, you know, they're seeing their friends again, and they're it's just sort of getting back into the swing of things, which I know we want to talk about. Sort of, you know, how we, you know, shift into a new season, if you will, and you know, we've, we've, we're kind of ending that, that summer season and we're going into the fall season. So, um, I, I don't know. I, I know you had some thoughts on that, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. Well, it's just that as we have, I, I feel like a relationship with each season, at least I do, and, you know, summer, very different than winter, spring and fall could be very diff different. And fall is actually my favorite season. It's just something about it that there's, 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 I'm allowing myself, I feel like, to be more mindful in the fall to really observe the slow change of the leaves and how beautiful it is. I really, one thing I love to do is go to different places in Kentucky to look at the foliage. And so like Daniel Boone National Forest, kind of in the eastern part of the state, is is one of the greatest because it, it changes uh, sooner. I think it's higher elevation. It's the eastern, I guess. I guess the colder air. But point being, it's just there's there's beauty, there's change, there's a little bit of you know, the sweater weather. And so it gets yes. crisp. And so it's something about cozy and self care, but then like energizing, like you talked about with school that get back into the swing of things. And so there seems to be this nice balance of comfort, but then also motivation, maybe. And that's what I'm kind of relating it to. Do you have yes. sort of a, a shift change as we maybe get into fall? Absolutely. I, I actually just did a blog on this about, I think every summer that I'm going to take time off or like, I'm going to yeah. slow down and I'm going to enjoy like, you know, going to the pool with the kids and hanging out at the pool with my friends or whatever. And it, it seems like summer ends up being really busy. It's like, you know, there's an energy with summer around it's warm out where, you know, out in the sun or, you know, whatever the thing is. And so fall, I feel like fall is a time for me to get sort of refocused of like, okay, you know, like kids are back at school. I have some extra brain space to devote back to work and, 
you know, I, I, and I feel like having kids in school, I mean, once school starts, it's like a slippery slope right into the new year. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, like the holidays, you got um, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and that just makes everything so busy. So I've been focusing, you know, you said the word reset, but, you know, I do this retreat in Napa Valley in January's and, um, we're going back this January and registration is open and I have this retreat journal that I wrote for it, but I, this year I'm putting it, making it into an actual published book called mm -hmm. Reset. So um, we're, it's a chance for us to mindfully focus. This is sort of my mock, um, uh, wow. my mock um, <clears throat> book cover, mindfully refocus your time and attention on what works for you and let go of what doesn't hmm. which is pretty much what we do at the retreat um you know so this is kind of what i'm doing right now is i'm resetting mm -hmm. of you know okay what do i need to be focusing on for work type stuff yeah i, I love that letting yeah. go of what doesn't work yeah i think that's 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 hard to do and so you have i'm putting you on the spot but an example of what you've what you've seen that that is hard to let go of for mothers? I mean, well, there's so much. I mean, for anybody, I think, especially if you, you know, run a little anxious, like I historically have known myself to be. I feel like I, you know, I, I'm not so anxious anymore because I've really trained my brain how to not be anxious. And I just had this conversation with some clients last week around, you know, when we when we get into that fight, flight, or freeze mode, and we just have that sort of, you know, shock of adrenaline rush, and we're like, you know, anxious about something, we feel like we're going to get in trouble, we didn't do something good enough, you know, there's something like, I don't know, it's that sort of initial sort of spark. And so what I think part of is what you you want to, uh, what will work for you versus letting go of, you know, what's not working is, you know, the phrase I use is what you feed grows. So do you feed that feeling, that adrenaline feeling, and then you kind of ramp it up, you ramp that panic up? Or do you notice that you had that sort of rush of adrenaline? Wow, I'm, I'm feeling something big right now. You know, where do you feel it in your body? Does it feel like you got punched in the gut? Is your heart racing? Do you have a frog in your throat? You know, your shoulders start to tense. And then sort of, think of it as like sending it on, it on its way, like, you know, leaves in a stream floating by, clouds in a, uh, you know, in the sky floating, you know, by, um, and then refocusing your attention where you want it to be, right? So you don't want to feed that, you know, scared adrenaline rush sort of thing, because that will, either, you know, freeze you, fight, or all those things. You want to be empowered to choose how you want to handle any given situation. So, you know, I've been teaching people a lot lately about how when you get into that emotional, you know, adrenaline rush brain, you are not usually able to be too logical and rational. You sort of just go with it. And then you're in this survival, you know, protective mode, which is what our brains needed when we were um you know b way back when when we'd have mm -hmm. a lion who's gonna attack us or something right. a bear a grizzly bear was right there we had to decide you know are we gonna hide are we gonna run 
Um, and most of us don't have a grizzly bear standing in front of us about to attack us, but it feels that way, right? It's that, you know, sort of reptilian part of our brain that goes to that space. So this is just using a different part of the brain, you know, noticing that brain, that part of the brain is activated, kind of slowing down the process so you can calm it down and then shifting into that logical, rational brain. And usually, I think I've said this before, but the three things that, that I focus on is, you know, is anybody bleeding, you know, mm -hmm. profusely? Is anybody uh, need to go to the hospital? And is anybody dying? And those are sort of my three things. If, if those things are not happening, I probably don't need to be in that hyper arousal space. I can probably just calm down and say, let's just see what happens. So mm -hmm. that's something, you know, what you want to move towards and what you want to let go of is kind of feeding that um, fight, flight, or freeze part of the brain and being able to empower yourself to calm the brain, calm the body. Because if you're doing it, you know, like how we, you know, it, it can go either way. If we're trying to calm the body, we see how the mind will follow. If we try to calm the mind, we see how the body will follow. And so I think the two, you know, clearly are closely linked. So, um, you know, you have to practice it and you mm -hmm. have to sort of train the brain, train the body of like, this is what we want instead. And I think when you add something, when you're adding something new that's positive, it kind of automatically pushes out the, the thing you don't want, right? It's hard to say, I'm going to focus on not doing this thing if you don't have anything to add in its place, mm -hmm. right? I'm sure you have thoughts on that that topic too. Well, well yeah, just, just one thing you kind of said toward the end where there's a lot of thoughts, but I really, I'll kind of buy that the, the training, the brain, one thing I feel and kind of maybe see is that the anxiety, which again, if there's a grizzly bear, we're going to need it. Like all our emotions are really are trying to help and some go about it and not, not so helpful ways sometimes, but they're trying to help. And the anxiety, it's like, it doesn't know sometimes if it is a grizzly bear or if it's taxes or something. <laughs> and so the anxiety can kind of condition the mind and brain to kind of hang around because it feels like for me, you know, Rob needs me around. And so then it kind of can condition the mind maybe to like help me feed it in a way like what you're saying. And so then it, then it grows. And then I start looking at, you know, things of what could go wrong. And my, my reality, my perception is based off um, who I'm hanging around with and who I'm feeding, which is kind of anxiety. And so one thing I really try to focus or maybe just see it or conceptualize is that it's, you've got to recondition the brain to maybe get out of that state, to have a healthier relationship with, with anxiety. Um, similar just how if I have a, a kind of an injury and I'm an, unable to, well, I'd say I lose a lot of muscle in a leg that I have to do some kind of conditioning to build that muscle up to kind of get back to where maybe it needs to be. And it's similar with the mind and just like the body, the mind and brain are flexible. They're, they're so powerful. So I really like how you kind of mentioned that. And now I'm just thinking out loud of, you know, what might we want to condition our minds for as we move into fall? And I, I don't have an answer of that. So 
with like without putting you on the spot, but is, is there something that you feel like, okay, I, it's important for others to really feel like, okay, this is a, something we want to be mindful of condition wise within our minds as we maybe change into this season. Right. Well, the first thought that comes to me as we are, mm -hmm. you know, fall kind of, this makes me think of holiday seasons, right? Mm -hmm. And that can come with spending more time with your extended <laughs> right. family, which for, for many people can be very anxiety producing. Um, so as you were talking, I was thinking about how applicable all this is also to relationships and how, you know, uh, what I'll notice is when I see a client who's doing really, really well, and then all of a sudden they sort of contact me in a panic saying, oh my gosh, you know, and you're just like, something happened. What happened? And the first question I ask is, who's in your head, right? Mm. Because usually if they've had an interaction with somebody um, that is now sort of spinning them in a direction that they were really working towards not being in, but now they've had this interaction with somebody that is now in their head. So it's almost like you've handed over your power to this person and said, okay, you control my thoughts right now, right? But there's always something of like, even with that difficult person, which, you know, Rob and I were working on a book with that too. Hopefully we'll come back to it, but mm -hmm. we kind of went off on different tangents there. And um, I think, you know, who's in your head? So if you have very influential people in your life, you know, like if it's a parent or a sibling or a grandparent or someone that you, you know, revere, or you have respect for, or even a boss, you know, um, and they, and they kind of say something that, you know, and likely this also, there's sort of a groundwork being laid too throughout many years and it can come up usually with that feeling of oh my god i'm not i'm not good enough i did something wrong i'm going to get in trouble right and so i think kind of reassessing that you know in in a similar way of well did i do something offensive did i do you know usually you know most people who are asking themselves those questions the answers are probably no mm -hmm. um and that you're dealing with with Rob and I would consider kind of a difficult person, right? Like that we're, that it's just more of that person is coming at me and probably comes at a lot of people, if not all people in a way that kind of puts them on edge, which is a way that they do then have a certain amount of control over other people because they now are controlling other people's emotions which is kind of an, a manipulative thing to do because then they can get what they want, right? So if they say, oh, you're not coming for Thanksgiving, you know, and the tone, right? Like 90 plus percent of how and what we communicate is the nonverbal stuff. So it's always mm -hmm. the tone of like, oh, you're not coming? Well, geez, you know, that's gonna be, you know, very disappointing, you know, or whatever sort of that hook is that they've gotten in that, you know, you don't want to disappoint anyone, right? Most mm -hmm. of us don't want to disappoint anyone, or most of us don't want to have that feeling of, but I think just listening for that and also knowing is it does this person tend to be more difficult for me to be around versus, um, you know, someone who's easy to be around. It just feels easy. The relationship 
there's just not a lot of complications. And so this, you know, you most of us have somebody in their life where it just feels difficult. So I think this is, that's the, you know, fall, fall into winter mm-hmm. sometimes feels like there's a lot of anxiety that comes up due to the holiday season and spending time with family members. Uh, amen. And speaking of book, I just feel like who's in your head is a great book title. If it has already been, been so you should, you should have, you know, write another one just with what you're saying. And yeah, right. and as you were, as you were speaking, and I'm sure maybe the listeners will you know, relate to this is I think we can all picture someone in our mind when you were describing, you know, at the holidays and who's in our head and how can that, you know, as soon as we get around this person, how do they, you know, they have that power. Um, and then, then I started also thinking, and this is where I, I, you know, I keep coming back to it, but coming back to the season, like which Rob for me is in my head. And then I'm yes. like, you know, I, have, I have different Robs that come out with each season. So the, you know, summer might be a beach Rob, but for whatever reason, come to fall, I, I kind of, I feel like I turn into, this is not going to make sense, but like Kentucky Rob, I really get into, you know, traveling around the state, getting like bluegrass music, my music changes from summer to fall. And so you're really into the bluegrass, you're really proud of where you come from, really connected to, uh, to the state and and just where, where you're from for whatever reason. You know, winter is more like, you know, I should say like the holiday is more like Santa Claus Rob and winter, um, is more like reflective Rob. And then spring is more of like the energizer, maybe kind of Rob and all Uh these different parts of me are in their head. And some come with, you know, kind of the, some strengths and growth areas, all, all of which I think do, but it's just interesting. And I'm now I'm thinking of, gosh, each Rob are like, I think very different and they're different in, they do different things maybe in my head. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think we probably even have, we definitely have like different selves. You know, you talk a lot about, you know, the sense of self stuff, which I like. Mm -hmm. Um, We have different selves based on who we're talking with as well. Right. Like, so if you do have that difficult person, you probably start to automatically get tense and all the things versus if you have a real easy person or, you know, your spouse, who's you might be very, you know, pretty easy to talk with, you probably can kind of let your hair down and just like what we would say, be ourselves. So it's something to pay attention to. If you are around the difficult person, can you not be yourself? Do you feel like that person doesn't really know who the real Rob or Megan is, right? Like that there's something inhibiting that, which I think is something to pay attention to and listen for. And, you know, then we get into boundaries and, you know, these are both the two, the two online courses that I have on the mindfulness center page are the art of saying no and dealing with difficult people. So anybody who needs a little refresher on any of those, that's a wonderful way to get it. But, um, you know, how do you limit your time around people at the holidays? You know, do you Mm -hmm. go to a dinner or an event with difficult, you know, you know, somebody difficult is going to be there. And so you say, I'll go for one hour, you know, I'll bring a buffer person with me, um, you know, so a person can't kind of corner me or somewhere. And so I think it's, it's interesting to kind of pay attention to all of those things mm-hmm. as well. Or can you give yourself permission to be like, oh, we're, you know, my, our family is going to do something a little different this holiday season and own it and just 
you know, not care if the person gets mad because what's the worst that can happen? I, I had a therapist ask me once, one of my therapists, what's the worst that could happen if this difficult person is mad at you? And I said, well, they probably wouldn't talk to me. And they said, like, forever or for a while? And I said, well, probably for a while. And then they said, well, could that be kind of nice for a little bit? And I was like, mm -hmm. heck yeah, right? <clears throat> so I think, you know, it might not be as bad as what we think it is. Right. Um, and, you know, that's sort of looking at what's the worst case scenario. Okay, well, they don't call you for a little bit. Okay, mm -hmm. that might be a l nice little break, too. And speaking of that and, and the self and the combining that reminds me of your hand model of maybe what different people. So maybe I'll let y'all shut up and let you kind of describe that. I just feel like it's a good point to maybe bring that up. Yeah. Well, that comes out of like, uh, I think I merge like transactional analysis and uh, something else with it. But the idea that, you know, if we, if we had to separate ourselves into five sort of main categories, we have a critical self, critical adults in us, right? Usually a parent. Which is a thumb, yeah. Thumb. Um, we have a nurturing parent. Our, the middle is your best adult self. Um, this guy trying to figure this out okay this guy would be the um your ring finger is the uh free and playful child and your, your pinky would be sort of the hurt and lonely child and what i have seen a lot is that the critical parent within us that tells us you're not doing it good enough you need to try harder all those things sort of exacerbates the hurt and lonely child within us so if we're feeling depressed or if we're feeling anxious, we're feeling all these sort of things, we need to look at how we might be criticizing ourselves or how we might be a little too hard on ourselves. And I think about that being a recovering perfectionist of like, you know, if you're expecting yourself to be perfect, which is probably never going to happen, um, you know, and that can be a moving target, right? Perfection can be that mm -hmm. moving target versus like, I'm just going to do my best and be a kind and respectful human being um but so yes and then you know the goal is i think to be our best adult selves while you know you're always going to have a little bit of all those things within you you know but if you can be more nurturing with yourself to allow yourself a little bit more free and playful you know spirit within you usually keeps us in that place that feels good to be in versus the critical parent and the hurt and lonely usually does not feel good mm -hmm. to be in. Yeah. And there's definitely, I, by you described that the difficult people in my life that can put, just put me in the hurt and lonely child or like activate it maybe is kind of a, a word or a number of different areas. And then it's really, yes. you know, I got to do some conditioning work to stay or get back, whatever we want to describe it to the best adult self to the yes. middle finger. And that, that's where I think, you know, that activation is if you're around somebody who activates you, you know, that's that wonderful time to be like, okay, do I want, do I believe this about myself? Do I believe that I'm a bad person because I'm only spending one hour at Thanksgiving or whatever the thing is? No, like that's what I need to best take care of myself. And I'm the only one who's really looking out for my best, you know, interests. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm going to choose to let go of that, you know, negative 
thinking that the person mm -hmm. just put into my head or sparked in my body and I'm going to refocus my attention to I'm doing what's best for me and tough shit if anybody else, you know, thinks differently. Right. Yeah. And then Which, and just go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was thinking, I think it's hard sometimes for us to be in that, you know, tough shit place because, you know, if we are empathetic people or we're kind people, we don't, we want to like, you know, or we're care, or caretakers or, or what all the things it was like, you don't want to piss anyone off. You don't want to, yeah. if you're a people pleaser, all those things, you know, you have this sort of persona, oh, but I can't say no, or I can't do this thing that's me taking care of myself. And the reality is, is, you know, if, if you're not taking best care of yourself, you know, you're, then you're, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure in a way, because you're saying, okay, other people take care of me, but then they're maybe not always going to make the best choices for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it just reminds me of the coming back to what you were talking about with boundaries. And we spoke about that before, but just how much pressure around the holidays. And as we move into, because, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, obviously around holidays, but it's also getting colder. So we're spending more time inside. I feel like there's maybe less of a escape maybe for some, um, depending on where you're listening to, to this, but when you have more people, you know, difficult people around you, whether it's family or whoever, yeah, it's, uh, it, it definitely makes things harder. And so there's also then pressure specifically around the holidays with, gosh, we have to keep up with these traditions um, or kind of what you were going, that there's expectations that we feel like we might be letting people down. And that's, that's a lot of pressure. And this pressure acts like structure that keeps us in this maze or kind of keeps us trapped. And so kind of taking pressure off. And when I think of that, it reminds me of something my mom did a long time ago and didn't understand it because I was a kid. But now I look back and you're just so proud of her that we had this bad habit of everybody. And my mom, she she loves to cook and she loves to entertain. That gives her energy. But just like with anything, moderation is so key. And so kind of cooking kind of all day, which she kind of she loves. She 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 makes sure everybody comes over there for Thanksgiving. She won't go anywhere else. But then kind of having to clean after all by herself and just seeing then maybe family play games kind of in the living room or kind of away from everything, it's kind of hurtful. And so she set up these rules that everybody has a job that then helps take her. And at first, you know, there are uncles and maybe some difficult people that kind of rubbed up against that boundary. And even though it didn't make sense because they're not paying for the food, they're just, you know, traveling to the house. But just like with anything, there might be a little test of the boundary, but she kind of put her feet down and now everybody has a big responsibility and it's much more efficient, but it's also easy on her. So she gets to enjoy what gives her energy, which is providing and maybe kind of entertaining, but then also get the maybe the relaxation and the fun that can come from you know this holiday as well. And that's, I just felt like a great example and maybe kind of something that she was recognizing that you know, maybe she was then transitioning to the hurt and lonely child at a time when she felt like, no, that's not fair or I don't want to be there and kind of set the structure up to, to maybe get out of it and take care of herself. And while she was mindful of others, she didn't let the you know fear of being or let down someone else, you know, yes. that. Well, and she asked for what she needed, which is her mm -hmm. being, you know, instead of her wallowing in the hurt, lonely child space, she became her best adult self to say, hey, look, I love the cooking part, but I, you know, I need help with the cleaning part, which, you know, for some people, you know, and 
I don't always like to say, well, women are just more of the people who are in the kitchen helping out or know what it's like to be the ones doing all the things and the men are watching their football game and just hanging out and, you know, might help out if you ask them to, but they, they might not be like an offer to, which is I always think is interesting of like people who offer to do things rather than People are just like, you know, I don't want to get involved or I'm, I'm good here. But I think it is important, you know, for that person who does need something more from the people they're around to participate in that they do ask for it and not just assume, well, I'm just going to sit here and see who offers to help out. Because then you get into that kind of passive aggressive mm-hmm. behavior, too, that is not feeding you very well either. Look. Well, can I just say something before I forget? And it's sure. about like the gender roles that were yes. like the, what, the expectations and then kind of normalizing, not falling in them. And and I, I have no shame in, in our, my own house with my wife. My wife and I kind of reverse a lot of the roles where, you know, I might kind of cook a lot and make sure we're getting the right amount of like, you know, vegetables and, you know, you know kind of and supplements and kind of vitamins and their little, you know, laundry, you know, things that kind of the old, you know, conservative kind of social, you know, no, gender norm. But then my wife is, you know, she might be more inclined to fix things around the house. Like if the vacuum cleaner breaks, like she's handy and she kind of fixes it. So, which is not what you would like traditionally expect. And that, you know, that, that works for us. Yes. Um, and so I, I think that's, uh, should be kind of normalized because believe it or not, I have a lot of couples who come to me and, sometimes like shame themselves because of they, they have these norms or these roles, I mean, that they don't feel like is the norm. Sure. And speaking to what you said, stick with what works and get rid of what doesn't. Absolutely. The, yeah. Forget all the junk of what is it expected or what is it we think is normal and just do what works for you as an individual in a couple. Cause that would yes. work for us as wife. And I don't feel any like that devalues me as a, you know, identify as a, you know, I was a male. And so that doesn't like change that. Uh, but I do feel like maybe in, you know, some cultures it could be, and we, I just hope that it gets normalized not to do that. Does that make right. sense? Absolutely. I think, I think that's that piece of, you know, knowing yourself and my husband and I are exact same way. My husband's the grocery shopper and the cook. And I don't think I've ever made a holiday meal. I I mean, I would probably cater it if I had to, because I don't want to be the person in the kitchen all day long. Mm -hmm. And he loves it. Like he loves the whole process or trying new recipes and all the things. Um, And, you know, when we got married, I registered for a compound miter saw that my mom bought (laughs) for me. And he registered for a KitchenAid mixer, which his family got for him. So, you know, I mean, that's sort of I think, you know, the more you go with it and you celebrate who you are versus trying to, you know, push against it. But I will say that, like, you know, a couple of years ago during COVID, we fell into a thing Well, he also had an injury that, you know, caused him not to be able to go up and down our stairs a lot. But I felt like I was running a five star resort, you know, with the kids mm-hmm. and getting food to people and doing all the laundry and doing all the stuff. And I finally just said, Nope. You know, like this needs to be a team effort. And I was happily surprised that the kids like jumped to it and they were like, yeah, you know, you and dad go to work and you drive us places and, you know, you do this stuff and here's, we can do laundry, we can do dishes, you know, things that they can do, make their own lunches for school, all that kind of stuff, you know, that 
doesn't have to be mom and dad always doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And to your kids, it sounds like, yeah, they, I, they were flexible and adjusted to it quick, which makes me think that often when we said that we do something new, change is kind of scary because what's, you know, maybe safe or what we think is safe is security or just knowing, you know, the patterns or what we do, what, what to expect. So when we have change, there's some unknown there. And when there's uncertainty, anxiety loves to show up then. And so then we right. can worry about, yeah, what might this person do with the boundaries? But I always like pointing out that the worst case or one of the worst case scenarios is just one scenario out of many. And anxiety yes. only likes to focus on the worst. And so point being within a boundary, we're often maybe focused on, gosh, what could go wrong? This person might hate it, hate me, whatever. But just like in this case, often that uh, situations like that, boundaries, they go a lot better than maybe we think. Right. Hey, so I was thinking about like as we were talking about all this and like dealing with the difficult person and this idea of um, season changing, I was thinking about what if you have a difficult person who's one of your children, hmm. you know, who are now going off to school. So you feel like a little bit of, um, you know, a break from them if you've been around them more over the summer and stuff. And, you know, I, I, it, I think, you know, that's something that we don't talk a lot about as parents because, you know, we don't want to admit maybe if one kiddo is harder than the other kiddo or presents different issues or has different personality or, or whatever. But I was thinking about that as we were, you know, the whole theme of going back to school and all this stuff. And, you know, I have to say, I have a kiddo who is you know, she says she's going to be a business attorney, which I keep saying in my <laughs> mind, like you will make a wonderful attorney one day because she's very argumentative and she's, you know, but she's and stubborn, which, you know, both my husband and I can be very stubborn and, you know, being stubborn has a lot of stick to itness as well. So there's, you know, not, not always a bad thing to be stubborn, but you know, it's, it's been a challenge for us because, I mean, she came out of the womb this way. It's, you know, like she definitely showed up with her own personality and like trying to figure out a way to channel that energy positively um, and not try to change her at all. Like tell her that, you know, her personality is wrong or bad, but, you know, how do we, it's, it can be, you know, difficult sometimes mm -hmm. to deal with that when you're just like she just wants to argue and it, it can be about anything you know like that you yeah you know got the wrong thing at the grocery or whatever the thing is that you're just like holy shit you know like this is this is tough mm -hmm. it reminds me of this do you remember and I'm, i might butcher the name i can't remember but the like that anna delvey show on netflix i think it was yes. like being anna I, I, if I'm misquoting or mispronouncing the title, forgive me, Netflix. But but anyway, there's a powerful quote when the reporter goes to find her family and the mother. And I'm going to I can't not going to butcher so maybe I'll just share the meaning. But it was along the lines. She asked, you know, how do you not support your daughter and, and things like that? She goes, well, you can't help who your kids are and kind of implying that you, you're going to love them. But you also can't help if they aren't aligned with you or if they become you know they're i'm obviously they're going to become their own person but if that person 
that if you can't help them if they don't want them in your life or if they're just, you know, there's something distant there. It's like that's all out of your hands. And I feel like that's not talked much at all is that yeah, yeah we think and maybe for the majority and it's it, it's a privilege even maybe too that we have children and there's, you know, a, a good, you know, maybe it's on a spectrum, the type of relationship that the, we have with the, with our kids. But for some, maybe on one side of the spectrum, and it's nothing, it's maybe it's even out of our control, but, you know, just something about this child um, might make them rather a little difficult for us, but also just, you know, not close. And that can be hard too, because speaking of norms, that might be expected. And then we might kind of have shame or guilt that what am I doing? And I just thought that quote in that show kind of maybe normalized at time is, you know, sometimes you don't have the same uh, connection to a child, even sure. though it's your child and that's always the case. And so, sure. yeah, do you, what do you think about that? You're obviously more experienced as raising kids than I am. Yeah. I mean, I think, <clears throat> I think, you know, I mean, being a therapist, I feel like I definitely have the training and I'm stubborn too. So the perseverance and stuff to, you know, and I knew, <clears throat> I don't know, when I was pregnant, I felt, I felt sort of the personality of each of the kiddos sort of before they were born, which might be crazy, but maybe not so much to, you know, people who feel were, that were as you, well. Were you accurate? Yes. And I yeah. guess both of their sexes too, before we wow. found out, like I knew that my first was a boy and second was a girl. And I, with my daughter, the feeling I got was a mischievous. Like I got a, just this feeling that she was going to be sort of mischievous, not in a bad way necessarily, or, you know, a destructive way, but just in sort of like maybe pushing the boundaries, which, you know, I mean, I could be said to be somebody who might push some boundaries at time of like thinking outside the box or now there is no box. So, right. there, you know, I don't have to think outside the box, but um, so, you know, I do, I see a lot of myself in her. So that's an interesting thing, but, you know, and then thinking through, like my husband's always been good about thinking like, well, what would you have needed as a kid, you know, or if, if, different parts of our kids' personalities show up that remind us of ourselves, you know, we kind of look at what would I have needed at nine or 12? Sorry if you can hear all this noise. <laughs> the dogs are now awake and playing. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it's a good, like, part of this is I almost feel like I am reparenting myself in some ways of, you know, I need somebody who just can listen and sort of take, take the, you know, whatever I have, you know, anger or irritation or whatever and not take it personal. So I think that's a big thing of, you know, especially, you know, kids around puberty, there's a lot of hormone mm -hmm. stuff happening. And so you just are like, I don't know if this is just hormonal or if this is, you know, whatever, I'm assuming it's all appropriate until it's not, you know, and I mean, I will say that I, I do put some limits or, you know, say like here, you know, I, I understand how you're feeling and I hear the concept of what you're talking about and you can't want call me names or there are certain boundaries around, you know, here's what, how it's appropriate to express. She doesn't normally do that, but, you know, I'm just saying, I know I've heard those stories right. about, whatever. I mean, she will say, you know, you must be a horrible therapist because 
you you aren't listening very well to me, you know. So that's <laughs> been sort of a, a theme. But, you know, it is different when it's your own child and you're sort right. of like, I've had enough of this. And I will say that it can um, it can trigger me based on my own emotional stuff from childhood, too. You know, so it's sort of like there's all these different layers of things happening at the same time. And I can imagine, you know, people who aren't trained as therapists or haven't had years or decades worth of therapy or whatever, that that could be just, you know, you just automatically react versus, you know, noticing like, oh, my God, like, I feel like I'm about to have a panic attack right now. So, you know, a lot of times I'll say I'm happy to talk to you about this stuff when we can both talk in calm you know, mm-hmm. listening type manners, not, you know, cause she sometimes gets that finger out and I'll, you know, kind of get the finger back out to her so she can feel what it's like to have a finger in the face. Cause that's not how I normally talk. So mm-hmm. I think the mirroring piece to kind of, so that they can see, you know, uh, how they're coming off, you know, she's having big feelings and yeah. you know, yeah. how to channel that appropriately versus feeling like I'm just getting sort of beat up, if you will. And again, not taking it too personal. I mean, knowing, yes, there's probably things I could be doing better, which is wonderful that she feels like she can tell me what I need Mm -hmm. to be doing better or differently, because I didn't grow up where I felt like I could say those things, you know, openly to my parents. Um, So, you know, it's just, it's, I keep reminding myself that we're all making this up as we go. Right. 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 Like I've never been in this situation on this day before, you know, like every day is just this new experience. So, you know, sometimes I don't handle it the best. I call it, you know, my not so proud parenting moments. And I try to recognize those quickly and go back and apologize to own my shit. Right. (laughs) And to say, wow, I'm really sorry I responded that way. That was not appropriate of me. Can I try that again? You know, or here's how I wish I would have done it. So that they know, again, that's a way to model for kids of like, oh, I don't always have to be perfect and do it the right way the first time. And I can go back and, you know, repairing it after the fact oftentimes matters more than being able to get it perfect uh, at the first go, you know, so... It's uh, it's challenging. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds it, but that's you know very helpful and something to very to just yeah keep being mindful of to kind of remember. Yeah, I do want to bring it back. So no, we're we're running low on time and bring it back. I kind of like to close everything with a little game. Okay. And so the you mentioned you kind of associate fall to some uh, holidays. Yes. So outside of holidays, if you had to name just three associations you have for fall what would they be oh i think you know the changing colors of the trees the leaves or you know that's especially in kentucky is just incredible it's just beautiful there's nothing like it like driving down you know 64 or Mm -hmm. you know like just you know major highway and just seeing these amazing different colors feels like it's a rainbow right Mm -hmm. of all the different colors um the cool that coziness i love that sweater weather that too is Mm -hmm. my you know like 
more than anything, I like to be, feel cozy. You know, I Mm -hmm. like feeling that crispness of the air, but also feeling warm and cozy. Um, And I don't know. It feels like it's kind of, it is a refocusing or kind of a slowing down or being more Mm -hmm. intentional in some ways. It feels like spring and summer has a lot of energy that comes with it of like spring. You're like, Oh, it's, you know, it's sunny and it's, you know, it's getting warmer and this is exciting. And then summer comes and it's like, you know, now it's on steroids where it's like, Oh my gosh, it's summer. And then like fall feels like it's just kind of a slowing down. Like I really, I really like fall and winter because of that, where it is a slowing down, you know, paying attention, getting cozy you know, sometimes just even stopping, you know, like Mm -hmm. winter being kind of that hibernation or, you know, kind of holing up in the house and, Mm -hmm. you know, not having to do much. What about for you? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously I might do like use the senses, the, like, so the sight of the colors, the sunsets seem to change a little bit too, maybe because they happen earlier in the night. I don't know, maybe you're outside and then there's, you know, kind of lights, you know, Halloween, there's just, just kind of a lot of cool things to see. Then there's a smell of, you know, <clears throat> bonfire and for whatever reason, like bourbon gets associated to the smell of, of like fall. Maybe it's because of, you know, like football or, um, or any, or, you, you know, sometimes I agree this, I'm going to get off on a tangent, but I like to invite people out of town to Kentucky in the fall. Cause it's just, I think it's a wonderful time. And, Maybe that's when you do the touristy things, like you go um, all over the place or go to distilleries because Kentucky's so big on that. So maybe there's some associations there to fall. But yeah, then the physical feel, the the comfortable of it. But then while you're describing, I also feel like, you know, mention, you know, grizzly bears. I know there's a bear that doesn't hibernate, but uh, maybe it's, I don't know. I don't know which bear does, but kind of like a bear that using kind of fall to really prepare for something. I, I feel like there's a little bit of that, like preparation for winter, whether that is to kind of hunker down or, you know, maybe do something else in the winter, but there just also just feels like there's this preparation energy a, as well. And I kind of, I kind of like that, a gathering kind of a, a, a behavior. Yes. I love that. Of course. Yeah. That preparation. I, I really connect with that too. Mm-hmm. Well, excellent. Well, thank you so much for another episode and everybody Yay! listening. Um, I'm, I do have a suggestion for an episode that maybe yes. uh, we'll, we'll surprise some listeners. Um, but anyway, thank you for, for joining us today. We very much appreciate it. And we look forward yes. to seeing you all again. Yes.